Welcome to This Week in Sparkling Water. I'm your host, Joachim Eriksson. You know, the crazy thing about this episode is that it feels like I recorded the last episode yesterday, but it's been a week. I don't know why I'm experiencing this uh, collapsed, truncated sense of time, but I am. Regardless, this episode I'm going for perfect sound quality because I built a new studio in the apartment. It just kind of happened because I had 30 extra hooks. I have this thing where I buy things on the internet and I somehow I, I, I look at the description wrong and I accidentally get too many. I was trying to buy one hook because I wanted to have some nice like some nice hooks on the inside of my bedroom door where I could hang my bathrobe and some towels. You know, it's nice when everything has a neat, nice place, when everything has a home. And I accidentally bought 30 hooks. And last week I was trying to buy some cupcake cups because I um, used my roommate's. And I thought I was buying 25, but I bought 500 and uh, accidentally bought 15 pounds of cashews. I um, was trying to buy a picture frame because there's a singer that I like. Her name is Jolie Holland. She makes sort of like alt country, just sort of fake old timey looking hipster, old country folk acoustic music very nice and I've been into her music for a long time and then she announced on her social media that she was selling handwritten lyrics basically you give her 50 bucks and she sits down and hand writes out the lyrics on a piece of paper to your favorite of her songs and then she mails that piece of paper to you so I bought some lyrics from her and I was trying to buy a frame to frame the lyrics. And then I accidentally bought 10 frames. So then I framed everything. I framed the envelope it came in. I framed the little note that she gave me. She also sent a bunch of mistake ones because she had messed up a bunch of times. So she sent like a stack of mistake lyrics. And I framed all of it because I had so many frames. And then I took a picture of it and um, put it on social media. This made me so happy. I took a picture of the envelope framed and I put it on social media and she messaged me. <laughs> and then we had a like an intense multi-hour conversation. And it's like, I've been loving this girl's music for 15 years and, and then I'm having a long conversation with her about everything. It's like such a golden era of the internet kind of thing where you are... Twitter and Instagram and these things, they do they do make you directly connected under the right circumstances and with a little bit of luck, you are directly connected to anyone you want to be connected to in the world. You know? When things play out perfectly, it's good. Um, what was I talking about? Yeah, so I ended up having 30 extra hooks in my house and then I have this... Um, foldable screen, you know, like a room separator type of screen, like a sort of Chinese style, chinoiserie 
style screen and I screwed hooks onto it, all over it. And I kind of folded it into a half moon shape and suspended a microphone in the middle, covered it in hooks and then hung shirts from all the hooks so that it's a nice muffled booth, sort of. Because what you want is muffling. Muffling is the important thing because you don't want the echo. When I just record the podcast in the middle of my living room, I get this echo because you have a lot of, um, you get a lot of walls. Regardless, what else is going on? Yeah, I mean, I'm still kind of depressed. I um, feel bad saying that into a microphone. For many reasons, I guess. First of all, it's just kind of embarrassing to say that you're depressed. Maybe that's called stigma. Maybe that's not stigma. Maybe that's something else. It feels like I'm uh, a 14-year-old back on MySpace posting pictures of emo kids with lip piercings and dyed black hair, you know? Feels like I'm there. But I'm a grown-ass man and I'm kind of depressed. And it feels silly to refer to it as mental health stuff. I don't even know if that's what it is, you know? Who defines if that's what it is? I mean, a doctor, I guess, but doctors just do whatever. Like, if I go to a doctor and I say that that's what it is, then that's what the doctor says that it is, so. Also, I've said many times that the project of the podcast is more than anything else, that it's a time capsule and a cross-section of my life at this point, and that the intended audience, more than anyone else, is myself 10, 20, 40 years into the future, you know, if I get to grow old, myself as an old man listening to this, just to sort of figure things out, or just as a sort of type of entertainment, really. Um, and I just, it just makes me sad to think that, because I'm sure I'll be a very sad 68-year-old man one day, if I live to be that old, God bless. I'm sure I'll be a very depressed 75-year-old and it just seems kind of sad to have 75-year-old me listening to my podcast from when I was 34 and, and have it be like, have old me realize that I was always just kind of depressed and always kind of depressed about things that didn't matter. It just seems so sad. It seems so much nicer if I could just leave myself a positive message where I, when 75-year-old me can be happy that at least at 34 I was happy, but... I don't know. I've also said that this is supposed to be about radical honesty, and that doesn't seem very honest. But maybe I'm just lonely, you know? And maybe this is a lonely time for everyone, and there's the coronavirus, and we don't get to see our friends, and there's a cabin fever thing going on. And I don't know. I, um, I have... Like, now there's the coronavirus and we can't see our friends, but I also think I always struggled with just making friends with American dudes. I don't... I never figured it out. Like, straight American guys... The norm is that the way you hang out and get... The way you socialize with each other is that you're riffing and you're shitting on each other. Just roasting each other is the way to do it. And... Yeah, I mean, I just never enjoyed that. There's just something so tortured about the straight American man. Something so... They just seem to be in so much pain. 
how everything is like you're hanging out and everything is just like, oh, I can't believe I have to spend time with you. And it's like, yeah, great. And it's not so much that it hurts my feelings as it is a thing where I just find it so uninteresting. Because you don't really get to know people when it's like that. And a lot of people only have that gear. They don't have any other gear. They don't have any access to anything deeper than that. And one surprising aspect to me is that even American men who are very politically left, which you think would go hand in hand with some sort of soft honesty. I don't know why I I, I just thought that. I just expected it to be that if you have a certain political way of walking around, political interpretation of reality that's in that direction, then that you would have a certain softness in how you understand friendship. But that just isn't the case. And it's almost, look, these are difficult generalizations, and I've only lived in Seattle, and there's a a lot, this is just like, there's a list of caveats to everything I'm saying here, but it's almost the other way around, where the couple of friends that I have that are, um, like next month, I'm going to go see my buddy Matt. I'm going to try to get him on the podcast. He is some sort of weird conspiracy theory alt-right kind of person it's not like a very he's not like a racist bad guy like that but he definitely thinks that Barack Obama is a pedophile who um has a bunch of kids in his basement to um so that he can squirt like drain some sort of juice from the kids to stay young forever like he believes shit like that and um Somehow, on that end of the political spectrum, because that's really just being right-wing in America, on that end of the political spectrum, somehow he is really emotionally evolved. And he really, he he has that gear of, of roasting each other and shitting on each other and all that stuff, but he also has access to all the other stuff, like so much softness. And Max is a, a similar thing, you know, Max Loring from three different podcast episodes, it's a similar thing where Max, he has the gear. He's a man. He's trying to be a man. He's like, you know, it's small dick energy because it's always like, it's just this exaggerated sort of short guy manliness. But but um, you can tell with Max that he is evolved enough to know that when that's how we socialize with each other, we're missing out on something. There's a softness that we're missing out on. And because of that, Max says, I love you to people more than anyone I've ever met. He says that to everyone. Like, and he says it in this way where he really slows things down and looks you in the eye and tells you that he loves you. And like, we'll be at work. And look, I mean, we work in a big restaurant. There's like 50 people in there. And should he really say, I love you to all 50 of us? Isn't that a little bit weird? Like to be really busy in the middle of a dinner service. And, you know, he'll walk up to the expo line and be like, you walk up to the expo line and start arguing with the kitchen and be like, "These, you got to give me some soup. Uh, these people need soup. And, and the kitchen is like, we're not giving out free soup. And Max is like, they already ordered soup. You didn't give them enough soup. Soup, give them some more soup. And then Max will just be like, I love you. 
And it's like, bro, why are you saying I love you in the middle of everything here? It makes no sense. It just, uh, yeah, I mean, not, it's a non sequitur. But that's how he does it, you know? And I don't know. Maybe that's a manifestation of his loneliness. But or may, I actually think Max is doing a pretty good job not being lonely because he has those certain habits. You know? He has a strict regimen of, of telling everyone he meets that he loves them. Even though he sees himself as a very villainous person. He's like real mean and shitty and egotistical. He'll look you in the eye and tell you that, and, and yeah, you know, he's, it's a very duality of man, you know? There's a beautiful duality in that man, and I believe that. But um, in a larger way, I think that there is a crisis of friendship, a crisis of... Um, I think we're all very lonely. And I think it's been a thing that's been going on for the last 40 years. And um, with every decade, I think, you know, I think you can look at your life as a pie chart of minutes spent on average per day. You know, what does your daily pie chart look like? You know, one slice of the pie, you're sleeping. Six hours, nine hours, whatever. And then one pretty big slice, you're at work. You're awake, but you're at work. And then there's this slice of the pie where you're awake and not at work. And it's like, what do you do with that slice? And I think the data suggests that with each decade, the last 60, 70 years, we just spend less and less time with friends, just in person with friends. And, and um, yeah, I don't know why. Maybe it's just this new neoliberal capitalism order where the 40-hour work week turned into a 50-hour work week and a 60-hour work week. And if you want to get anywhere, it turns into a 70-hour work week. But I don't mean to say that things used to be perfect. Like, I think it's silly to suggest that in the 1880s, we had some sort of perfect life where everyone had a group of bros and you always got to spend lots of time with your friends and stuff. Like, that's that's ridiculous. But I do think that there's something in the Something in the past that was a little bit better. There was something that used to be a little bit better. And maybe it has something to do with technology and entertainment and how docile all of that stuff is now. But yeah, I think... Um, and I really connected to things like um, like sitcoms. Like the television show Cheers. You know, you go all the way back, you go to a sitcom like Cheers. It's like, you know, the intro song is something, something where everyone knows your name. It's about this idyllic place of wherever. It's this bar, this like dank basement bar where you go in and everyone knows your name. And it's like, it tickles a part of your brain. Like people think that you watch a sitcom for the jokes, but I really believe that so much of a sitcom is that you watch it because it, tickle, it tickles the same part of your brain that friendship tickles, like spending actual quality time with your friend satiates a need in your mind. And a sitcom 
uh, aspires to satiate the same thing in your mind, but but in a very artificial way, like the same way of like the difference between having meaningful sex with someone you care about versus pornography, you know? Like pornography is trying to tickle that part of your brain and it's doing it in some way and it's not doesn't have to be the most negative thing or anything. I mean, you know, it can just be this kind of small thing for you. But if that's all you have, like if you end up only having pornography in your life, and you become too focused on it, and you spend too much time on it or whatever, if all you have is that, I mean, that has potential to become something very deep and dark and hollow. You know, if you have no human-to-human sex life or whatever. And in the same way, I mean, I think if you're a deeply, deeply lonely person watching television and watching a show like Cheers, I think that can satiate your social need enough to make you docile but actually it's ruining your life because you don't go out there and it's friendship pornography you know and i mean the the epitome of that is the television show friends where they literally named it friends and everything about it is so pornographic how, you know, like in porn, no one ever stops and says like, wow, this is incredible, you know, I'm just a pizza guy, and I've never met you guys before, and now I'm having sex with this mom and her biological daughter, and, you know, I'm just a delivery, I'm just a handyman, I'm just a pool boy, and, and you've never tried butt stuff before, and this is the moment when you want to experiment? You know, no one ever shines a light on the unrealistic premise of it. And in the same way, I mean, in the television show Friends, they, they, made, they made like 12 seasons of it, and they never addressed how... No one ever said, wow, we're really lucky to have six friends sticking together like this in our 20s and 30s, even though we're trying to work and be, you know... Even though we're trying to work and make enough money to survive in New York City, we still have these friends that we get to spend so much time with. And it goes back to this pie chart idea of like how much of your the pie chart of how many minutes a day you spend on stuff, how many minutes a day do you spend on quality time with your friends or just any time face to face with your friends, even if you're just shooting the shit at a, at a coffee shop, you know, having a cup of tea and talking about nothing. In the television show Friends, they spend so much time with each other, (laughs) and it's never addressed. They never say, wow, we're really lucky that we get to live across the hallway from each other and be best friends like this, and like not have a falling out and just have all this time that we get to spend with each other, where we're not on our devices and we're not, like no one is sitting in front of a computer, you know, immersing themselves in a in a massive multiplayer online video game. And no one is addicted to anything. Yeah. They never address it. It's super unrealistic. And, um, and I mean, I watched, I think, I think it's very interesting to have something like that, like the television show Friends, and have 
because you I watched it when it was coming out and I watched it and I enjoyed it for the jokes and I enjoyed getting to know those characters and I was very young I was like you know 12 and 13 and stuff and 14 and 15 and I was I for me it didn't really take on the role of friendship pornography so much because I was living with my mom and going to grade school so when you're in that situation you're not really socially isolated to a point where friendship pornography can become a unhealthy thing for you but if you take a second look at it and realize how dark it is to imagine what that is a symbol of like that it's a symbol of our failure as a society to maintain actual friends it's very dark it's one of those things where once you see it like that, you can't really unsee it. Because it's on the surface level, the television show Friends is such a through and through positive image. It's so wholesome and nice. And really, it might be a symbol of one of the darkest things that's happened to all modern civilized countries in the last 50 years. It's kind of like how, um, man, I love when you, when you really take on a new perspective on something and see it in a new way and how you can't unsee it. Another one I really like is how, you know, in America you have all these like, you have like gang members, like black guys posted up on street corners with big puffy jackets and, and guns in their waistband and facial tattoos and shit. And you can look at those guys and you can be scared of them and you can be like, why do they have to be so dangerous looking and big and why does it have to be so they why are they such a negative force in the society and well, it's such a destructive terrible thing that they have to dress up like that and be like that and but then when if you read Tanahasi Coates's um his book um Between the World and Me there's several segments that sort of address that and and talk about how really what you should see when you look at those guys these black guys posted up on street corners selling drugs with um, guns in their waistband, really what you should see is fear, that those men are afraid because they live in a society. They live in a situation. It's barely even a society. They live in a situation where they are physically threatened and they are the victims of physical violence. It's like, you know, these are black bodies in a white space. And when they become the victim of something, there's no one there to to create any sense of justice. You know, when they get murdered, there's no one there to find the murderer. And when they're just a victim of um, violence where they don't get murdered, where they survive, it's just, there's very little, there's just very little safety for them. And then their reaction to that incredibly just difficult and dangerous and painful world is to put on a really puffy jacket and try to look as dangerous as possible because they're afraid. And once you've sort of seen that and realized how that makes more sense than any other perspective on it, it's just so sad. It's just so upsetting. And you can't unsee it. And I think that it's the same thing with the television show Friends, where it's like, once you've realized that Friends is... Yeah... I don't know. It's also interesting to me how 
Max started his Twitch channel in the beginning of the pandemic, not because he was trying to ride the wave of how no one has any friends anymore and how that trend, which has been going on for 50 years, was accelerated by the pandemic, where suddenly suddenly going out and having a face-to-face encounter with your friend and giving your friend a hug, suddenly that is a villainous thing to do. Suddenly that is evil. Suddenly if you do that, you're someone who's trying to kill old people because you're turning yourself into a virus vector. Everything is flipped around. And now what little friendship you had is destroyed. And now everyone is even lonelier. Max starts his Twitch channel in the beginning of the pandemic because he has more time than ever. Really, is what I believe is the real reason. Like he was always watching Twitch videos on his phone in the back of Babar. He was always sitting back there. I remember when I started at Babar, I was so blown away by how some guy who works 70, 75 hours a week, how even when he's not working, even when he's not on the clock, he's not at home. He's sitting there in the back of the restaurant watching Twitch videos on his phone. Like, why don't you go home and have a life? But so the point is that he was always a fan of Twitch videos and he always viewed himself as this big, interesting person. Like he's a little bit of a narcissist, you know? And like, he maybe he is a big, interesting person, you know? Maybe rightly so. And then he goes home and does this for himself because he has more time and because he's been inspired to do it. And and then it's very successful. I think his uh, Twitch channel is very successful. And I think it's the same thing. I think it's friendship pornography again, where uh, his Twitch channel is... He sits in his apartment. He's got a camera on his face. He's got a microphone in front of him. You go on there. You have a little chat box where you can write messages to him, and he responds to your messages, and you feel like you exist. And it tickles the same part of your brain as uh, having an actual face-to-face friendship with someone. Now, I would say that all of these things, they, there's a gradation where watching the television show Cheers is one of the saddest forms of friendship. One of the hollowest, most pornographic forms because you're really fucking alone. Like you are alone when you're watching television. And then, yeah, I'm saying that Max being on his Twitch channel is somewhere there in the middle. And Now, I don't mean to say that Max is a bad guy or that he's doing something, that he's taking advantage because I think it's the opposite. I think that there's a war against loneliness And he's out there fighting the battles, you know. We have to build a society of tomorrow and we have to try new things. And I think Max is trying a new thing. I think Max is seeing if there's a way for us to feel better and to have friends, even in this cocooned state. And I think he's a hero. I think Max is a hero. I remember uh, in grade school, I read about... um, this um in some sort of marketing class i remember being like eighth grade and for some reason we had like a marketing class like in some attempt of swedish the swedish school system to be progressive and and um prepare us for modern society they they taught us weird shit like that and then there was this trend oracle her name was faith popcorn i think she is not famous at all anymore but 20 years ago Coca-Cola thought she was like cool and would give her a lot of money to to 
to tell them how society will develop going forward. And one of her many ideas for how society will progress was this idea of cocooning, that the cocooning will become even worse. Because even 20 years ago, it was a thing that we're kind of alienated and we just live in these cocoons. But she talked about how in the future, we'll just be completely alone in individual cocoons and we'll have no connection with each other. And then different aspects of that. And I, I mean, I think that's just how it goes. And if you look at any sort of data on this, I think it's just true. You know, which with each decade, we spend less and less time with friends. And for some reason, the only, the only part of functioning old timey friendships that we kept was the monogamy. Like we all get boyfriends and girlfriends and probably more than anything, like the boyfriend and girlfriend isn't about sex anymore. And it's not about being an economic union. And it's not even about having kids. It's mostly just about having one friend, at least just having one friend. And you move in together and you come home to that person and, you know, it gets really fucking hollow after a while, but at least you have one friend, you know, because you can't not have one friend. And then when you give up on your monogamous relationship, man, that shit gets really dark. Then, I don't know. Maybe you don't have anything anymore. I don't know. I hope I don't sound too depressed. I hope 40 years from now when I listen to this that I don't... That I don't feel sad about how I was such a sad 34-year-old. I am very grateful that I have found a job that I enjoy. You know, right now it's 4.30 p.m. and I have to clock in at 5 p.m. And and um, I look forward to it. I'm going to get to see my buddy John. I'm going to get to see my buddy Fung and my buddy Vega. And also my boss Jacob. And all four of those people. It's fun. And that's the truth about modern society, that your friends are the people you work with, and no one wants to acknowledge that. Everyone wants to pretend like we have these other friends. And, you know, we have their phone numbers. We have the phone numbers of other friends. And we have met our other friends. But we spend, there's no competition. We spend a lot more time with our coworkers by a factor of 300, you know? And um, sometimes I even feel like my friends' friends, it, the people that I'm just friends with where we have no um, other thing going on, just friendship, just talking, that it's almost not even the best way of being with each other. And I remember, you know, 10, 15 years ago, I was always in plays. Back in Shanghai, I was always acting in little plays. And I remember that being almost one of the purest, most enjoyable ways of spending time with other people because we weren't doing it for money. I guess everyone there had some sort of a dream of it becoming something, of becoming famous actors. But in that moment, it was more, it just had this sort of color of, we were doing it for idealistic reasons and because we enjoyed it. 
and we worked together on something and we were all very different people but we agreed to work together on a on a project and you always ended up in a group of people where the one thing that we all agreed upon was that no one was ever going to be like bro you're too committed to this you're too into this you're trying too hard you're working too hard on this like no one ever said that everyone just gave it 100 and no one ever made fun of anyone for being for trying too hard because we all respected the common project and you know you sit there with a printed stack of papers which is like the scene and you got your lines highlighted and you have to spend a lot of time on it a 90-minute play, you got to work for months and months and months. And um, that was so enjoyable. And then when it's done, you just walk away. And you know that forever you have that thing with those people that you worked really hard on that stuff. And maybe you're friends and maybe you can get a drink together, you know, five years from now. <clears throat> maybe you can have lunch together two months from now, whatever. You always know each other, but really there's also this knowing agreement that you're very different people and that maybe you wouldn't be friends if it wasn't for this play. Like both of those things are true at the same time. And like most of the people I acted in place with, I never talked to them. But there's this pleasant sort of feeling of that being okay because we know that we did what we had to do and we did a good job with it and that's good enough and then we don't have to force the maintenance of some other thing there it didn't have that forever component is what i'm saying i guess because i think the forever component can be corrupting it's very counterintuitive and strange but i i think that's true sometimes you're friends with someone and you're just friends and you don't have any reason for being friends. You don't work together. It's just a friendship. And baked into that friendship is a forever component. And romantic relationships are the same where I think it's easy to get in your head about the forever component. I mean, maybe that's not true for every everyone, but that's I think that's true for me and that's I think that's true for most of the people I've dated where when you're in a long-term relationship, you can get to this point where it's a Tuesday, it's a normal day, you do something and the person is an being annoying and then you get in your head thinking about how we're going to, we're supposedly going to be together forever and this person is going to make me, this person is going to be annoying every day for the rest of my life. And even though it might just be a one-off, you take whatever is going on in the moment and you project it onto infinity. And it's, it gets a completely, the feeling ends up with a totally different valence compared to if you are working on a play together and you have a common purpose And there's a start date and there's an end date. The project is for a limited time. And you know, 
yeah, it had it, it ends up have having a different quality to it, even though marriages don't last forever and some projects last for decade decades, you know? Like it's very artificial in your mind, but it's just how you look at it and Yeah, I don't know. I'm just kind of rambling, I guess. Maybe we'll just go to the water. Today we're doing watermelon. And now I'm going to pretend like I'm doing it right now, but really I have to go to work right now, and then I'll record that part tomorrow. All right, so this time we are going to do them by... We're going to start with the two light ones, two that I expect to be light. Good and Gatherer and LaCroix. Good and Gather. Let's start with Good and Gather. Nice, pleasant, friendly crack. Ooh, kind of a strong sweetness to it there. That's racing some red flags. Slightly too strong sweet. Like the refreshing nature of watermelon is based on it not being too sweet. So let's see. Ooh, that is cold and crisp and bubbly. And you know, I never like, I don't like watermelon so much as a fruit. This is, this is actually very nice. There's something about watermelon that just triggers my germophobia. Most of the time when you get watermelon, it's been, I don't know. Watermelon appears a lot in um, a context where someone else has cut it open for you and cubed it up and you get it in a sort of fruit salad or you get it in a sort of fruit cup or something like that. And I just can never live with those things because who knows if that person was wearing gloves, you know? Should probably just eat the watermelon. Should probably just buy my own watermelon. But buying your own watermelon is such a project. And if you don't have a family of five, I mean, what are you going to do with a whole watermelon? <sighs> yep, good and gather. I am a fan of many of these. This is an 8.5. It's got a beautiful can. I love all the good and gather can designs because they are mostly just the silver metallic shine of a blank can and then on top of that they have these beautifully stylized cartoon um watermelons that actually it's it, it it's almost like a swedish cartoon style that's very respectable because it's not like these pastel annoying colors it's more like beautiful muted humble colors all right let's try the next one sparkling water pastic and then it says in parentheses, watermelon, naturally essenced, LaCroix. This is a new one as of this year. I remember walking down the street five months ago and I saw a carton of this crumpled up in the trash in someone's trash that they had put out on the sidewalk. And I took a picture of it and put it on social media and I was like, wow, there's a new flavor. And then it took a long time before I saw it in a store. First saw it as one man's trash. And then here we are. Pastic. I don't know about that. Is that a cool sounding word? Let's try it. LaCroix. It's got a pink can. This is not the best looking LaCroix can, but... Ooh, very non-existent smell. LaCroix is really coming through with that. Ooh, oh, oh, I got a whiff there of something very real. Oh, something very... Wow, way more like fruit... Way more like real fruit, like uh, watermelon when you get real close up to the rind, 
that sort of the white part of the watermelon that just has this I don't know it's a it's just a plant f taste it's not the it's not the sweet red flesh it's just this sort of oh that's what it smells like it that's very interesting Ooh. okay that's very real that is like someone took a watermelon they were wearing gloves the whole time they cut the watermelon open they kind of cubed it up and crushed it and put it in some water. They strained it out. It's it's watermelon. And even I, who don't love watermelon, this is good. Uh, I already gave the Good and Gather a good score, 8.5. This is a 9. That's very good because it, it kind of um, weaves between a couple of different parts of the watermelon. Like the red flesh, you got a little bit of the red flesh. And then you got these even realer flavors that remind you of what happens when you get really close to the white rind of the watermelon. All right, third one. Third one is weird. Physique. Now, first of all, they sent me this for free. This was, at this point, I've gotten like, I've gotten free samples from maybe 20 different sparkling water companies, but this is the first one I ever got, and I have never tried it on the pod before. Because it just seems a little bit different, and I didn't know how to fit it in. It's called sparkling protein water. It's, it's got 20 grams of whey isolate protein in a can. It's 90 calories per can. This one is strawberry watermelon. It's a sort of working out. Yeah, drink physique right after exercise for fast recovery. It's a protein thing. Let's try it. I'm convinced that it has way more flavor than a LaCroix, so we're doing it last. Ooh, very light smell. Yeah, no smell. Whey protein already smells kind of bad, so... I mean, tastes kind of bad, so I'm worried about this, but let's try it. <clears throat> Enjoy ice cold. Well, this is ice cold. Oh, my God. Ooh, that is not very good. What kind of strawberry taste this is? This is the kind of strawberry taste... It's like a Jolly Rancher strawberry taste mixed with a sort of mealy powdery, dusty whey protein flavor. Let's try some more. Oh yeah, I am forcing this down. It's the thing with whey protein that it tastes real bad and people force themselves to drink it and it's, you have to grate it on a curve. I don't think so. I think people make chocolate drinks out of whey protein and they love it. Yeah, it's a very strong flavor. It's a very, very sweet aspartame fake flavor. Let's look at the ingredients. What's the actual um, sweetener here? Sucralose. I am not a big fan. Yeah, it's weird. It's got some coffee extract in there. It's definitely a weird mix of like bitter and sour and fake sweet and totally non-existent watermelon. But, um, oh, you know that type of sweet when it's so sweet that it kind of hurts your jaw? That's what I'm experiencing right now. Yeah, this is, I cannot finish this. God, I feel so ungrateful when they give me something for free and I review it on the pod and it's not, and I don't like it. Physique. It's also such a good pun. Physique, spelled F-I-Z-Z. -Z. God damn it. I wish this was good. I wish I could just send good energy out into the universe and tell them that I love this, but I don't. 
Okay, that's my seventh sip right there. I give up. That's a two out of ten. Let's see what a LaCroix tastes like after you've destroyed your palate with something extremely sweet. Ooh, fuck. That's like just licking an actual watermelon and rinsing off a bunch of uncomfortable sucralose. That's actually... That works. What else is going on? Maybe that's it for today. Maybe we'll just call it an episode. Thanks for listening, y'all. That is another watermelon episode. Watermelon from Good and Gather, watermelon from LaCroix, and strawberry watermelon sparkling protein water from Physique. If you enjoy the podcast, please go to Apple Podcasts and leave us a review. Five stars, please. And that brings us to our closing segment. Sparkling water, sparkling mind. Let's see what David Phillips sent us this week. There is something to be learned from a rainstorm. When meeting with a sudden shower, you try not to get wet and run quickly along the road. But doing such things as passing under the eaves of houses, you still get wet. When you are resolved from the beginning, you will not be perplexed, though you will still get the same soaking. This understanding extends to everything. It is said that what is called the spirit of an age is something to which one cannot return. That the spirit gradually dissipates is due to the world's coming to an end. For this reason, although one would like to change today's world back to the spirit of 100 years ago or more, it cannot be done. Thus, it is important to make the best out of every generation. In the Kamigata area, they have a sort of tiered lunchbox they use for a single day when flower viewing. Upon returning, they throw them away, trampling them underfoot. The end is important in all things.